Hi, I'm Tim Robinson, Editor-in-Chief of Aerospace Magazine, and with me today is Deputy Editor Steve Bridgewater. Uh, welcome, Steve. Hi, Tim. Uh, welcome to Aerospace NOTAM, the second edition of a, a now regular series of new podcasts looking at global aviation, aerospace and spaceflight news and what we have upcoming in the next issue of Aerospace Magazines, this time May 2023. In the magazine we cover everything from GA to spaceflight, airliners to airports, from air law to uh, defence and uh, try to summarise and digest uh, this fast moving and uh, extremely exciting global world of aerospace. Uh, so first, before we start, what, what have we been up to uh, in the past month? Uh, Steve, what have you been up to? Well, we had a great day at Duxford, didn't we Tim? We went down to the Hawker Typhoon preservation group, Sam Worthington Lees, um, which uh, we've done our first video from, haven't we? So um, That's right, yeah. So that will be, uh, by the time you hear this, you'll be able to look back at the uh, the video we did from uh, from Duxford, the aircraft restoration company hangar, where the uh, the event was held to raise the profile of this amazing Hawker Typhoon restoration. Yeah, so they need, they need six million, uh, about six million quid uh, yeah. to, to finish it, but they've got some, uh, they've got an, a, a zero-life engine from Cranfield. Yeah. And, and it, I think most interesting that they're going to they're going to put telemetry in it. Uh, well, I think it's really. I mean, it's something that was done in the Warbird world probably about fifteen years ago. Uh, it was a company called Pi Systems that had uh, that John Remain at the Aircraft Restoration Company. They put it, I think they're a Formula One company uh, for the telemetry, and they put that on the Rolls Royce Griffin on one of the Mark Fourteen. Right. So it's been done before, but nothing as complex as an Apia Sabre. And I think that's that's the the crucial thing with the, with the Typhoon. Yes, it's a it's a big aeroplane, but it's a Hawker aeroplane, you know, the, the restoration of that, although it's expensive, is relatively straightforward, but that engine, you know, a H24 sleeve valve engine, what, what, a, what a lump of motor, and um, I think putting the telemetry on that is going to be, A, really interesting, and B, I think, vital to the Vital, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no. yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, well, we, we wish them well anyway. Uh, it'd be great to see a, 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 a typhoon in the skies. We've got to just hear a typhoon start up, to be honest. Um, so what else has been happening? Last night we had a great, uh, we had what the first of our Aero Society Lates social events here at RSQ, uh, RSHQ, a uh, quiz night. How did that go? I'm still hoarse now from talking, <laughs> reading questions out for two and a half hours. It was brilliant. Uh, what a great atmosphere. Um, we, we sold out. Uh, we, yeah. we were turning people away. Um, yeah, we'd anticipated being able to sell some tickets on the door, but we were at capacity with about a week to run. So... That's really reassuring that people want to come and do this. I mean, yeah, the, the idea was to try and create a social event. You know, we do lots of wonderful lectures and events here, but yeah, we've got an amazing building that we can utilize for lots of other things. And the idea was to get people in after work on a Thursday night, come and have a couple of drinks, some nibbles, and a fun quiz. And I think I got good feedback from everybody I spoke to, so I know I certainly enjoyed it, and I think everybody else did. Yeah, what was what was really great to see as well was was the the, the real mix of, um, of of ages and sort of diversity. You know, diverse uh, sort of people who are there. You yeah. know, it's kind of a real sort of like uh, young and old. Um, really great kind of cross section of people who are interested in aerospace and, and aviation and just, just having a good time and and, and uh, social networking. I mean, for me, that's what the Royal Aeronautical Society is about. It's that. Yeah, mixing with people who are potentially useful for your career in later life or that you've got some skill that you can pass on from and to. And it was really interesting. We 
had some people there straight out of university and their, their, yeah, their first placements uh, in the industry. We've got some people who are in, who retired from a long life in the aerospace industry. And to see their networking and, and mixing, that, that was a really good feeling. Yeah, so watch out uh, in the in the future. We have we have more cunning plans on the way, and also set your diaries for the the RES Aero Quiz 2024. Uh, yeah, the, for the to take the prize away from the reigning winners. Yeah, because um, they've got a trophy, haven't they? Yeah. they've got Cunningham. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we've we've got a a, a, um, a trophy called Cunningham. Um, he's a meerkat, so he's meerkat size Cunningham. If anybody remembers John Cat size Cunningham, the uh, the night fighter race. But um, and our winning teams took some decent prizes away, didn't they? As well, some yeah. uh, some air show tickets and there were some books and uh, bits and pieces for spot prizes. And Boeing gave us some goodie bags, so yeah. it's uh, nice to nice to have the support of everybody. So thank you for that. Yeah, no, great night. Um, and then the other thing we we had here at the the society as well, on a more sort of uh, serious note, was uh, we had a corporate partner briefing uh, from Bristow. Now the corporate partner briefings for anyone who doesn't know. They are exclusively for our, our corporate partners. They're Chatham House rules. Um, they are, uh, you know, just just sort of behind the scenes. It really encourages kind of frank discussion, one-to-one questioning with with experts, with executives. And this was from uh, somebody from from Bristow uh, talking about their next uh, generation. Um, how they're moving into EV tolls and advanced aerial mobility. So really interesting insight into that. Uh, like I say, it's Chatham House Royal, so we, we, we can't re- report on what exactly was said. Uh, but all you know, what was really interesting is how they're going kind of full stream into that. You know, Bristow's are this huge helicopter offshore operator, and they really do sort of see the future of in uh, EV tolls, urban air mobility. And there's also sort of like you know uh, logistics, mm. you know um, electric, uh, uh, electric or zero emission in, uh, uh, logistics, uh, and um, yeah, really interesting to see. Anyway, so let's have a look at what's happened in uh, in the news. What's going in the news, uh, Steve? What's caught your eye in the news this month? Well, I mean, it's another packed issue, isn't it? Really, <laughs> we've we've got everything as you said in the introduction, from space flight to GA, but. As I'm sure people know, GA is my background, and I was particularly taken with the uh, the news from Sun and Fun that Compair have um, debuted their new aircraft, which is their 6.2. And uh, would you believe this is a, an eight-seat kit plane? Um, which, although it's coming with a, the, the prototype flew with a 350 horsepower Lyco, they're producing a version which has got a 650 horse turboprop on the front. I mean, that's going to be a great machine. Um, you know, a big high-wing aeroplane, big Fowler flaps, so it's going to be a good stall machine for going you know, in and out of short strips. I think that's uh, that's was probably the big news from, from Sun and Fun. I mean, setting that aside, I mean, did you see that they've got a, a MiG-23 flying at Sun and Fun? I did indeed, yes. Uh, uh, wow. MiG-23, <laughs> I mean, just, just wow, what a, what a great thing to say. Good luck getting that past the UK CA. Yeah, 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 that's that's interesting. So yeah, that, that was um, one of the stories that, that jumped out at me was the compare. Um, and I mean, on, on a sadder note, in, you know, we've, we've reported a lot on Virgin Orbit in, in recent issues, and. Sadly, now they've declared Chapter 11 uh, yeah. bankruptcy, which um, it, it sounds like a really sorry state of affairs because it sounds like they had an investor coming on board who 
from what it seems, wasn't what they seemed and prom promised the world and, and wasn't in a position to deliver the funds that, uh, that had been pledged. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of hype in the, um, so a lot of hype in the, in the in the space launch sector. People are getting very excited about it. People are looking at, at the the numbers of small satellites being launched, and, and obviously, uh, you know, the, the lowering launch costs. I mean, Virgin Orbit, they, they had a, a really interesting niche in that they could go anywhere. So basically, the rocket and well, the rocket and the launcher comes to you. You don't send your your, your satellite to uh, Cape Canaveral or wherever. Um, so you would have thought maybe there, there's a niche in it, but it, it's such a it's a difficult one to break into uh, when you're up against the likes of SpaceX uh, mm. and the amount of and they are putting up all these small satellites that people are looking at. Uh, you know, vast majority of those are mega constellations. Yep. So uh, they're all going up and all in, going up in, in, in one go. They're all going up in, in kind of uh, uh, lower cost. So uh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting, and, and yeah, sad. And hopefully, the the guys down at Spaceport Cornwall can salvage something from this and find another operator to work with. Because um, you know, it's it, it's you know, we've got great hopes for the uh, for the space industry in the UK. It's something we've championed for a long time, and there's a huge potential there. Yeah, and hopefully, this isn't too much of a knock. Um, and um, the the other thing that jumped out in the news pages to me was the news from Skipper. I mean, we reported last year that. Um, Tel Aviv, yeah. in Israel, were, were banning four-engined aircraft from from um, from the main airport in Tel Aviv. Now it looks like Schiphol uh, are proposing to, to ban nighttime flights and also grounding private jets. So um, I'm wondering if this is a, a, a perhaps worrying trend we're, we need to prepare ourselves for in the industry as well. In yeah, with an obviously increasing push towards sustainability, do is this going to be a common occurrence at other airfields around the world? Well, I, th I think a lot, a lot of operators uh, and a lot of airports, airlines are, are are looking at that now and thinking, are we, are, you know, is it better to move now and do it voluntarily, or are we going to be pushed into it? You know, is there going to, is demand going to be managed? Uh, some people are, are talking about that and saying, look, you're, you're never going to technology is never going to get you to the 2050 you know uh, net zero goals mm. it's going to have to be some sort of government uh you know government intervention you know managing of demand uh, that, that that sort of thing mm. uh which is you know sort of not really what the industry wants to hear um and i mean it's it's not a new story that we've carried but on a, a similar worrying note with airfields there's eshot airfield in the uk which is up in northumberland which is uh, right by the a1 dual carriageway and this week they've been told by the local authority they're not allowed any road vehicles moving on site after 7pm because of noise. Well, this is right next to the A1. <laughs> yeah. So they, they've had to stop all of their air scout events, all of their school visits, everything that happens in the evening. Um, so that's again is a worrying one from the, the general aviation community to watch. And uh, I urge you uh, to have a look on Eshot's Facebook page and social media and see what you can do to support that because it seems... Uh, a rather misguided approach. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What about you, Tim? What did you pick up in the news this month? So, obviously, from the, the military uh, aviation uh, uh, side of things, Ukraine continues to dominate the news. Uh, and one of the things that's come out um, has been the latest US intelligence leaks where a member of the Massachusetts Air National Guard uh, allegedly shared these uh, shared sort of classified documents on Discord and on a gaming channel. Um, and uh, we've got to be obviously careful there of disinformation 
Um, some of the some of the things that appear to be being changed uh, and what have you. But there's there's two two big things that came out of that that, that leapt out. Is is first one of the one of the one of the documents was shared was saying uh, this is a, a Pentagon intelligence assessment mm. saying that that Ukraine may run out of its uh, uh, Russian-built surface-to-air missiles, SA-10s, SA-11 bucks, mm-hmm. by um, the, the sort of middle end of May. Mm. Um, so they, the, the, the SA-10s, the long-range SAMs, and the bucks do the, the bulk, you know, about 85% of their, their air defense is done by this. Yeah. Uh, obviously, they've got man pads, they've got a few, they've got the first Patriot system that's turned, uh, turned up in country. But they they're doing the the bulk of the work at keeping uh, Russian aircraft at bay uh, and destroying incoming uh, cruise missiles, uh, drones, what have you. Um, so really, really worrying thing uh, sort of development there. If that if that turns out to be accurate, because um, as anyone sort of following this conflict is will know is that um, Ukraine is hoping to do a counter attack, counter offensive counter attack. Um, it's all been, you know, it's been widely publicised that this is going to happen, and to lose, uh, to have your air defences uh, degraded in such a way, just when you're yeah. going on the offensive, yeah. you know, it, it's uh, it's really sort of like you know quite concerning uh, as to to, you know, are, is Russia going to be able to, are Russian aircraft going to be able to have free reign, are, are there, is there critical national infrastructure yeah. being under attack, etc. Uh, etc. Et so, hopefully. Um, by the time between the time that intelligence assessment came out, which I think was, you know, it's dated late February, and today, which we are we are we're in sort of uh, end uh, mid end of April. Um, hopefully, that there's something that's been done about it, and and more Western Sams have been uh, rushed in. Rushed into the area. Yeah. 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 Um, so the other thing that, that uh, has jumped out is um, so we this week we had a rapid unscheduled uh, disassembly rud uh, from SpaceX and its Starship. Mm. Uh, so that was um, that was live on TV. It launched from Boca Chica, Texas, uh, the world's biggest rocket, thirty-eight engines, I, think, I believe. And uh, you know, great takeoff. People were, were were cheering, tears in eyes, and then it got to where it should have separated, <laughs> didn't separate, and then tumbled end over end. And uh, then there was a big uh, boom, and uh, and things went bang. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a real sort of blow. But space, I mean, space the, is hard. Well, space is hard. But what's interesting for me with that is that the the, the cheers in the. You know, you, you, your rocket has just blown up, but the cheers from the the live feed from SpaceX's control room were like, "Yeah, we, we've 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 done something here. We've learned a bit more." Yeah. And they've they've got another Starship there. They've got another one in production. They've got you know they've got so many to. It's just part of the. I think it's, it's test early, test fast, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, and, um, and and so keep we keep it going, and, and it's such a exciting project to follow because. It, it it it's got the potential to blow up, well, blow up, blow up to break the, you know, the cost mass equation to orbit. Now, obviously, that's good. We've been here before. Um, space shuttle at one point, you know, uh, uh, Steve, you and I are old enough to probably remember the yeah. the, the days of the space shuttle yeah. and uh, people imagining getting on a a space shuttle and, and perhaps being a passenger on it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, 
and the frequency didn't didn't turn up. It was too complex too too complex to turn around in in the time they wanted, and obviously as as the the flight rates slow, then the cost per flight goes up, and you end up with a very very expensive uh, uh, space access system. Starship is is aiming to 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 get um, you know to 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 really radically lower the cost to about I mean I think they're talking about hundred. Hundred dollars per kilogram. Yeah, incredible, isn't it? Which just makes uh, you know uh, all the stuff you you dreamed of as science fiction. You know, you looked at it and you went, oh, hang on, well, power stations orbits, orbital, you know, uh, uh, space stations for holidays, uh, and science as well. I don't think I don't think the scientific community. Have, I mean, uh, there's there's some sort of scepticism obviously in the science community about sort of, uh, of SpaceX and and kind of uh, commercials. Uh, you know. Uh, commercial kind of thing running away and especially you've got to be careful with space debris mm-hmm. uh, uh, and Starlink um, and, and things like that but the the idea that you are suddenly freed from um, having to make a space probe to say go to you know Mars, Jupiter, Mercury and make it as small as light as possible and you've got to make trade-offs and you can't put that sensor on because you've got to put this sensor on and all of a sudden, Starship kind of turns up, and it's like, "Wow, I can, yeah. I can make it as large as I want. I can yeah. put, I can make it cheap. Yeah, I can, So we, we could, you know, Starship. I think, you know, maybe maybe it's got the potential also to to, to flood the entire solar system mm-hmm. with with, with um, you know cheap, yeah. expendable, high quality probes. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so really, really exciting stuff. You know, we, we could be here on the cusp of uh, a new dawn in in spaceflight. You know, the DC free of space. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but that links into the ICAO report, this one, yeah. which ICAO were looking at, at the risk of space debris and commercial airlines. So, so this is an interesting one for aerospace. So we, we, obviously we, we cover uh, aviation, aerospace and, and space. And one of, the, one of the interesting things here was the workshop IACO and a couple of our organisations were looking at the, as we get more and more space launches, uh, so... And, and also space re-entry, space debris coming in uncontrolled, uh, there's an increasing risk to uh, aviation. So the chances, obviously, of a bit of satellite coming down and hitting your aircraft in in orbit, you know, in flight are probably, you know, millions and millions yeah. and millions to one. But as more stuff goes up, there's more likely that, that something will happen. And, and airlines are already complaining about it because the, the, this, the cadence of, of, of SpaceX flights from Florida, they're already having to close up that big airspace. Of course, um, yeah. and, and, and Virgin Orbit's uh, launch, uh, where, where we were, you know, obviously we were, we were, well, why are they launching it at Monday night at 10 o'clock? Airspace in the Atlantic. Airspace in the Atlantic, yeah. So it's a busy, it's a bit, so, so how these two coexist... Mm-hmm. Uh, and how you you manage the airspace so that uh, you know the rocket people, uh, you know the, the space industry gets the launches, gets the, the the launch windows they want, and the airlines get the uh, you know get the, the the flight routes they want, mm-hmm. uh, and they don't have to divert because obviously that's sustainability as well. Yeah. Um, how the two coexist safely as well? Um, yeah, should be really interesting. Yeah. So okay. That's, that's the news. <laughs> We've got a packed issue apart from the news, haven't we? I mean, we've got a whole disparate variety of articles yes. in the magazine. So, really interesting issue uh, this month. Uh, we got stuff on on uh, dispersed operations, Chinese flankers, uh, spaceflight in the 2020s, uh, Sri Lankan airlines, EV tolls, fast fans. So, 
Uh, my contribution this month is something on on disperse and survive. So think of uh, it's really kind of going back to nineteen uh, well Cold War operations yeah. Yeah. for air forces. So Ukraine has been a, a wake up call. It's kind of it's kind of um, preceded that, but now air forces are looking at how do we how do we disperse, hide, survive, keep on the move because. Mm -hmm. Uh, modern cruise missiles, drones, uh, uh, satellite surveillance, uh, social media can reveal where course, your yeah. where your 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 airbase is, and you've got to keep on the move these days. Yeah. And the, the Ukrainian air force has has, has demonstrated this: is that people thought they would be wiped out in the first week, yeah. um, and and they're obviously you know we don't know the specifics, we don't know the tactics uh, or, or what they're doing, but it seems like they are taking off from, uh, you know, keeping on the move, taking off from, from, from air bases, coming down and, and landing at different places, yeah. and probably probably even using roads as yeah. well. Uh, so for, for Western Air Forces that have been used to, uh, you know, kind of efficiency, moving into to single super bases, mm -hmm. Uh, just-in-time logistics uh, and, and that kind of um, those sort of measures. This is kind of really going to going to go back to the back to the old days of Cold War, and, and we've got it. We've got a you know really, it's a cultural mindset. I think. So we're looking at F-35s operating on supermarket car parks. Is that what you're saying, <laughs> <laughs> or is that a bit too much? Well, I don't know. I mean, uh, Harrier, the Harrier Hyde. So you know the the. Obviously, everyone remembers the, the the pictures of Harrier Hines in uh, you know in deep in German woods, yeah. and, and uh, there's very famous pictures of that. But I think a lot some of those were were, were based on a little bit on PR because mm -hmm. you think about thermal sensors or infrared sensors, even in the 1980s, yeah, you're better off hiding in an, in an urban, you know, like a supermarket car yeah. park or a bit of uh, you know sort of uh, you know motorway autobahn. Mm. And uh, somewhere where there's lots of buildings to hide you, okay. coming out and, and, and using that. Uh, then in the middle of the woods, where maybe you're, you're going to kind of stand out a bit more uh, with the sensors. So yeah, really, really interesting. Uh, it's something that's a, a high priority now for well, the USAF, RAF. I'm guessing as well. There's a bit of crossover into the civil world there because you know you've got aircraft like the the P8 Poseidon, which is effectively a 737. So. You know, I guess it's a case of, of looking at how we can work on civil airfields and maybe we leave the civil contractors. Could be, yeah. You could be, you could be tapping into that. But but also, uh, also, it's it, you know, you tend to think of of of, of this as, as when you think about dispersed operations, your first thing that comes to mind is is all right, okay, fighters. Mm -hmm. You know, there's Harriers, Hines, or or, or um, uh, you know, uh, Grippens. Yeah. Yeah. But actually. You've got to keep your you've got to keep your 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 high value assets you know tankers and AEW aircraft mm. uh, so so for example you know like a Saab's go uh, you know Global Eye Bizjet you know that's a small Bizjet that can get into a lot more places than, than something something bigger yeah of course yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so uh, yeah anyway so so what what's what have you uh, picked out I. One of the standout features for me, again, has got a bit of a Ukraine link to it. It's uh, Dr. Dave Slovic has uh, written a piece on drone spoilers. And we're not looking here at um, you know, the, the, the big military drones. We're looking at the smaller commercial off-the-shelf or even 3D-printed homemade um, devices and, and their use in Ukraine. And Dave not just looked at, at the use in the theatre there, but 
the glo the bigger global picture as to what threat this could potentially move moving forwards. And I know Dave, I've known Dave a long time, and he was involved with some of the planning for the Olympic London Olympics in 2012. And I know this was an issue back then. So, well, you know, you know, if we've got somebody with a drone, what potential impact could that have on a sports stadium? So we've looked at the, the defences that are in place and what can be done to, to minimise the, the effect of this. And I think it's a really interesting angle to look at, I think. So that's, that's a particular standout for me this month. Yeah, I mean, I mean the, the, the technology is getting um, cheaper, easier, uh, and you think of all, all the people in, 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 uh, in, in Ukraine who, who have got the, you know, Got the got the skills, uh, so you know to three D print, you know fins on grenades, or, or fly first person, mm -hmm. uh, you know fly small quadcopter drones into the back of uh, you know Russian tanks mm -hmm. uh, with an RPG around on there. So well, there was the drone that landed on that uh, yeah. mice in, in yeah. Belarus, wasn't there recently? Yeah, so, um, um, and uh, that 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 I think that that was uh, one satellite. Uh, imagery confirmed that that hadn't been damaged uh, uh, in the end, um, but yeah, I mean, still, it still shows what you could do or what nefarious actors could do if mm. they, they put their mind to it, and, and it's all it's all technology uh, that is uh, is out there. Mm. Uh, and it's just putting it together and, and all right, okay, quadcopter drone, uh, some kind of munition, AI program. Away you go. Well, so. I mean, it doesn't even need to be some sort of munition. I mean, look at Christmas a couple of years ago, where there was the chaos. So was it Gatwick? Yes. Yeah. Um, so you know, there's you know the potential for disruption there, and again, Dave's looked at the defences that can be put around civilian airfields to to, to minimise the effect of that as well. So that's yeah. so it was a real eye-opening article for me. Cool. Uh, and then at the complete opposite end of the spectrum, we've got this great article about the Icarus Cup, um, which is. Um, Pedal power, so human-powered flying machines. Uh, think Gossamer Albatross back in the day, but um, the, uh, the the twenty twenty-three events taking place down at Manston in June. So it was preview for that. Looking back at last year's event, and the thing that's, that really struck me in that article was you get the impression normally that this is university students building these aircraft and you know, young svelte athletes. There was an eighty-plus-year-old who was flying. <laughs> and it's like. I'm not sure I'd be able to do that, but uh, it just point. Yeah, as, as um, Francis Donaldson, who wrote the article, said, if you, if you can, you know, consistently pedal something like this for about five minutes, you're up there with some of the best of the of the best when it comes to uh, to human powered flights. Yeah, and also it's also interesting. It's a sort of a, 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 a test. I went mean, first off. It's a, it's a it's a great sort of team building thing for students, isn't it? As it is. To, uh, you know, here's here's an aircraft that you you can actually build yourselves. You know, I mean, you're flying not that far off the the ground, so there's no there's no great risk that you're you're putting life and limb at the uh, at uh, you know by 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 building one of these, and, and you you know you're going to get yourself into mischief or anything like that. So so it's something that, that that's fairly safe, but at the same time, you know, some of the sort of like comp, you know comp advanced composites, lightweight structures, you know. Um, Really, really useful for for, for um, you know students to, to, to get get working yeah. on and real to, hands on hands yeah on real stuff, hands on hands stuff you know and, and and some of the stuff I think it does have crossovers into you know you look at something like a uh, these uh, these human powered aircraft you think I look at and then you look at things like Zephyr yeah and you think oh, okay well you know this this is this is pretty 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 kind of close you know yeah. you know, Haps 
perhaps yeah. uh, perhaps uh, aircraft air, make it as lightweight as possible and and, and the like. Yeah. So I mean, they're even looking at three D printing propellers and things to get the optimum yeah, pitch yeah. on the propeller. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's 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 a brilliant advancement in technology. And I think the other really good technology article, I think, is one that so that. Um, you commented on Tim, which was the cost of EV tolls. Yes, yeah, I think that's that was quite an eye opener as well. Yeah, so obviously the EV tolls, uh, t- uh, taxis, we, we, we're looking at them uh, and, and, and tracking the, the progress of this this industry uh, quite closely. Um, obviously, there's, there's people there who say it's going to, you know, it's going to be the next sort of uh, you know aerial Uber. Uh, but a, a really interesting article there on, on drilling down into the costs, uh, you know, sort of per per flight costs, your costs of your pilots, because mm-hmm. I mean, uh, they will have to be piloted from from the start. Landing costs, mm-hmm. so people don't you know don't do automatically think of this, but if you're going to an airport, you pay landing. You pay you pay a landing fee, and, yeah. you know, and these are will be operating commercially, so they need a commercial pilot yeah. to fly them. Yeah. Um, commercial license now, eighty to hundred thousand pounds training. Yeah, well, that's got to be recouped somewhere in the cost chain as well. Well, it depends. It depends whether they can they can go to the uh, regulator and say this is so easy to um, so easy to to, to uh, fly. Then you know it, it won't need uh, like an airline style, style ATP license. Um, but you know, it, are you going to be paying these pilots the same as Uber drivers? Mm. You know, discuss. Uh, with some of the, some of the some of the prices that are being talked about, so the the the, inter- the interesting kind of conclusion in that is well, um, you know, maybe yes, it will will happen, but maybe we're we're looking at VIP uh, aerial taxis and uh, EMS. Yeah, emergency services police. I think that would be a good way to to, to prove the technology. Yeah. And also prove it to the customer. Yes. You know, if you, you're more inclined to perhaps get in a flying taxi if you've seen them flying around for a couple of years in other uses. It's not quite so alien, is it? But yeah, but also you you if you do it that way, you've got the uh, you, you you start to address the public perception uh, of uh, you know air ambulance turns up, takes you away, mm-hmm. you know, and, and people will be much more um, happy to have this technology come and land near them and yes. see them flying around cities if, if they're pl- performing an essential uh, public service. Yeah, so that, that's interesting as well. So mm. another another packed issue. Another busy one. <laughs> We've got Sri Lankan Airways in there as well, or Sri Lankan Airlines. I mean, it's just something for everybody. That's what we like to do, isn't it? That's right, yeah. Okay, so um, moving ahead then, what, are, what, have we, uh, what have we got in terms to look forward to coming up We've got quite a few in-house events coming up, haven't we? Having just done our uh, our Aero Society Lakes, we've got a more traditional event coming up, which is our... Uh, uh, the annual banquet, yeah. yeah well, the annual banquet is, what, May the 11th, I think? Yeah, um, nice. Yeah, and then we've got our Future Combat Air Summit. But who's, it, who's, our, who's the guest of honour at the annual banquet? Would it be somebody from SpaceX? It would be, yeah. <laughs> so, so that is going to be uh, Gwyn Shotwell, who is Chief Operating Officer at SpaceX. So absolutely, yeah. you know, what a coup to get her in the, in the in, you know, to have her as guest of honour. I'm sure she's going to be a super speaker and uh, really interesting to see what she says about, you know, Starship, where is it going? What are they doing? Starlink as well. Uh, and, and SpaceX's plans. So yeah, really looking forward to that. I think it's you know on, on the SpaceX thing. Yeah, you know, we we watched the the live feed when we were recording this on Friday. It happened yesterday on Thursday. 
Um, I live up in a tiny village in, in Derbyshire and our village WhatsApp group was going berserk with people commenting on space. It really <laughs> captured public, the public attention. Yeah. You know, this, this is one of those historic moments in, in aviation, you know, and I think it's, there's something about SpaceX which has really grabbed the public's um, sort of perception and, and imagination. So uh, I found that really interesting. It'd be interesting to speak to Gwen about that. One and a half, one and a half million people watching it at one point. Amazing. Uh, and this is just a test flight. I mean, there's not even any humans yeah, on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So we've we've got that with Future Combat Air, Air and Space Summit. So this is a uh, a, a high level um, uh, conference that we're running on twenty third, twenty fourth of May at RES HQ here in London. Really looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some top-level speakers there on, uh, you know, f- uh, future combat air systems, um, you name it. Um, really, really good stuff. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that, to get a deep dive um, in, you know, what's going on in military aerospace, military aviation, uh, AI, yeah. hypersonics, uh, you name it. Um, digital twins, uh, drones, uh, you know the NATO. What are they doing? So that is one to really want to to watch out for. Um, uh, and then we've got uh, medals and awards. There's a deadline for that. There is, yeah, medals and awards. We've got till the end of May. Yeah. Uh, does anybody you think is worthy of uh, of one of our medals and awards? Please get your nominations in. It'd be interesting yeah. to see uh, see what comes from that. So there's there's awards there for individuals and teams. Uh, the most prestigious uh, aviation aeronautical awards in the world. Uh, we would say that, wouldn't we? <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so if you know anyone, uh, you know, uh, get 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 them to apply or get them to not be nominated. Yeah. Um, and then we've got air shows coming up. What's the news on air shows? Air show season. Well, we know it was our quiz last night, so we had um, some tickets from Flying Legends. We've got no more news yet on participants from Legends, but we have got news on participant for the Royal International Air Tattoo, haven't we? Yeah. Very exciting wow. news. So hold on to your hats, everybody, because uh, a Mi 262 is appearing at Riyadh in UK skies for the first time. Uh, well, a Mi 262 replica? It's a, it's, a, well, it's a very convincing replica. Built in the 90s, uh, there was a production run of five um, that were um, modelled on the original aircraft, but with new technology engines. They've got these jet engines on them, because as I'm sure you know, that the, the, the Humo engine had a, a, a time to an overhaul of about 10 hours, something like that. Something like that, yes. Um, <laughs> but uh, there are um, two of these flying in the US and one flying in Germany, which is part of the... Uh, the Messerschmitt historic flight, which is part of EADS and, uh, and Airbus. And Airbus are bringing this aircraft across to appear at the Royal International Air Institute, and it's going to fly. Yeah. It's not just coming over for static. So um, I think that, I reckon that's probably the first time since about 1945 that we've seen an ME262 in the UK, because they came across for testing, and I'm, I think Winkle Brown flew them from, yeah. from Farnborough. So there's a very famous, well, not famous, but there's, there's a great photo of um, the. Um, from about 1945, 46, of a Farnborough, um, wasn't really an air show, it was really sort of a, a captured aircraft collection mm-hmm. uh, of all the weird and wonderful things that had been brought over and were in, you know, the, the Farnborough's uh, sort of enemy aircraft flight, yeah. uh, which were, you know, 262, um, Heinkels, Messerschmitts, yeah. whatever, all sorts of Dornier. Um, uh, oh, the, the, the push pull, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
So yeah, I mean that was the last time. It, it, you know, you two six two in in UK skies. You and know. you know, it's interesting looking on all the forums of people trying to predict what's going to be announced for for React, and nobody saw this coming. <laughs> <laughs> it was great to actually have it. It's like going back to the old days where it was a surprise turned up rather than lots of rumours and, and whispers. So yeah, 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 I'm really looking forward to seeing. Yeah, that. Well, what we need now for that is is a uh, some kind of. Uh, I mean, uh, so there's there's various people flying classic jets, isn't there in the UK? There's uh, Martin Baker of a Gloucester Meteor. They've got they've got. Two, two meters, I think. Two, two. Yeah, one one airworthy each time. But yeah, they've got two. And more. the vampires. Mark Hooten's got the vampire. The Norwegian historics have got the vampires, which spend most of the summer in the UK. Wouldn't it be great to see an ME two six two, a vampire, and a meteor alongside yeah, each other? Yeah, yeah. The early, in the air together, wouldn't that be they, incredible? The early jets, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so um, so we've got uh, flying legends. We've got React, and the other um, tickets we gave away last night at the quiz were for Midland Airfest. Let me, I'm just going to run through this, Tim. Does this sound like a great air show to you? Midland Airfest, Red Arrows, Typhoon, Lancaster Spitfire Hurricane, RAF Falcon Parachute Team, RAF Tutor, great RAF assets. But then on top of that, you've got Pit Special, Grumman Bearcat. Oh, yes. Now, very much Midland Airfest, it's a country house, it's just a stately home, uh, Ragley Hall in Worcestershire near Redditch. A Grumman Bearcat tearing around the grounds oh, of a, yeah. a, a country house. Then you've got the turbulent team, you've got the wing walkers. There's just that in Spitfire Mustang OV10 Bronco. That for me is, I think I said it last month, but it, those are the sort of events that really capture the interest of a next generation. You know, there's something there that's really going to grab kids. And it's a real ch- child friendly event as well. So, um, yeah, 180 hot air balloons going up on the, on wow. the, the Friday night as well. So, um, yeah, that's that's what I'm particularly looking forward to, and that's just a couple of weeks before we head out to Paris, France, to Paris. So, yeah, so obviously this summer the, the the team will be out at the Paris Air Show. Aerospace will be there covering uh, Le Bourget. So this is the first Paris in in a while because of obviously COVID. Uh, last year was Farnborough returned in, in in person, so we're looking forward there to see what's happening in uh, the Paris Air Show. Um, not difficult to give predictions at this point, uh, but I think you know, kind of European space will be on the agenda. Um, they, you know, Europe is, is is there trying to trying to really kind of catch up with uh, what SpaceX are doing, what what the US is doing. Ariane six, uh, you know, is the next big rocket for 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 Europe. Ariane five, um, which launched Juice recently, mm-hmm. we didn't we, we didn't mention Jupiter. that in the news, uh, but that's the the Jupiter icy moons explorer. Uh, Ariane five has got one more flight and then it's retired. I mean, it's been a stalwart, real real sort of stalwart yeah. of rocket launch in reliability. Uh, and Ariane six is is there, and the, the question is is is, is there going to be a bit, a, a bit of a gap, you know? Mm. Uh, so uh, that should be should be interesting. Also, probably news on on more sustainable stuff. Um, what's happening with SCAF? Yeah, FCAS, so the the the, the uh, Franco-German Spanish uh, future combat aircraft, um, and uh, yeah, it's going to be another busy week, isn't it? It is. Yeah, yeah. but looking forward to that. Yeah, it'll be great. Yeah, um, and okay, so moving on. What else have we? What have been? 
reading, watching, uh, playing in terms of <laughs> aeronautical related books, TV, films, video I, games? Having, having written 80 quiz questions this month for the quiz, I haven't <laughs> had a lot of time to do much reading. Um, but I have been watching something really interesting and it's something actually from my childhood which I found on YouTube and it, was a, it came about from one of the questions we asked in the quiz last night which is what was the name of the 1988 BBC TV series that was all about aircraft? And it was called Reaching for the Skies. It was narrated by Anthony Quayle, if you remember. And this was, I remember 1988, I'd have been 13. And I still remember that there's one episode called The Joy of Flight or The Adventure of Flight. Uh, I remember sitting on the carpet in front of my parents' TV watching this programme. And, and there were aerobatics at this wonderful place called Oshkosh. And I vowed then at the age of 13, that's what I want to do. I want to go there one day. And I, I guess... I was always interested in aeroplanes, but this series is probably one of those seminal moments for me. And I've found all 12 episodes on YouTube. So if you look for Reaching for the Skies, BBC, um, there, there was an episode on um, the aeroplane goes to war, so all about World War One, because recorded in an era where they were talking to people who had flown in the First World War. Um, so you, you've got some really good interviews. So that's, that's mostly what I've been, been watching. Haven't really had much time to do any reading. What about you? Well, um, just a, on your point about, um, uh, and this should be a, sort of a, a shout out really, but uh, Reaching for the Skies, um, you know, they don't make them like that anymore, oh, do no. they? No. Uh, and one of, the things that, uh, one of the things that came out recently was, uh, so 13 Minutes to the Moon, do you, do you know that podcast? Yes, brilliant. So from Kevin Fong, a really, really excellent space podcast, and that was on, the, that was on BBC, it was a BBC podcast, and uh, he's got a, fo- he a follow-up one, and it's had to be funded by Kickstarter, which, uh, you know, it's like, BBC, come on, someone wake up, someone, someone, someone go, and, go and fund this. Uh, so 16 Sunsets is now funded fully funded, community funded by, by Kickstarter, right. about the space shuttle. Ah, oh, brilliant. So it's, the funding is there, they're, they're going to do it, uh, but it's like, oh, you know... If it I'm shouldn't going. be this difficult. No, I no. Mean, we, yeah, as I said a couple of minutes ago, my village WhatsApp group was going, yeah. going crazy because there was a rocket launch. So surely mainstream media must know there's an interest yeah, in yeah. space, in aviation. Um, yeah, remember the days when we used to get the Farnborough Air Show on TV with Raymond Baxter? Exactly, yes, yeah. Good um, yeah, so what else have I been doing? So, um, so I've been uh, mucking around again in, in, in flight sims, uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator. That's the big, um, that's the big civil one, uh, the whole world modelled in, in VFR detail. And I found a, a, a brilliant free add-on. Uh, so this is something called Bush Talk, Talk Radio. And basically, what you do is, is in the sim there are points of interest. So there are points of interest such as that the, the developers have put in there, and they're, they're scattered around. So you, you know, obviously, you fly um, Golden Gate Bridge, or um, uh, you know, so but there are only a few. Hmm. So what's what the community have done? Uh, have they've added thousands and thousands of community-based add-ons? Oh, okay. And what you do is if you make an account on the Bush Tour Radio uh, website and you log in there and then uh, you uh, bring up a little kind of app in the game in your cockpit, um, it will then link to this website. And when you fly near these points of interest, it will then trigger a audio description of what you're flying over from Wikipedia. Oh, that's very cool. So yeah. all of a sudden you've got it transforms the Microsoft Flight Simulator into a VFR 
travel virtual, <laughs> virtual tourism yeah virtual tourism so you're, you're flying around there and you, maybe you decide oh well, I'm going to do it cross country and you see a little dot in the horizon over there and it's like what's this two point miles away something something abbey I'll go and have a look and it's like this abbey was built in blah blah blah, blah and abbey. arms was there <laughs> don't we always say the best ideas are the simple ones yeah. what a great idea what I mean it? it's just I mean this, I mean, the whole thing is just I mean a flight simulator is just a, I mean the, 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 they've knocked out of the park with the last the last um, implementation of this in this VFR world and this is just icing on the cake I mean you, you could go in there and just spend Days, weeks, uh, you know, months, and 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 still not discover what what everything that's in there. So yeah, but, um, I mean, I, I I'm not not a simulator player at all, but um, I remember in the early days, Meigs Field was. Uh, oh yes, and of course it's twenty years last month since Meigs Field was chopped up. Did you see that? Yeah, the, yeah. the mayor of Chicago went in and and, and dug the runway up overnight. Uh, overnight, yeah, and, yeah. People yeah. had to take their aeroplanes off on the taxiways. Yeah, um, but yeah, that, that, I think that was probably the last time I was on on Microsoft flight. <laughs> Perhaps you need to give me some, give me a check flight, Tim. Um, and then, so we're talking about books, um, but there are a couple of a couple of interesting books that are coming up uh, that uh, we probably want to flag up. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that. The first one, I mean, I'm sure you are as well, Steve. So the first one is for, on a the definitive uh, biography of a past president here, Captain Eric Winkle Brown, who has been written, written by Paul Beaver. 487 types in his logbook. Yeah. yeah, that's just just remarkable, isn't it? And and I presume so you you met Eric, and a lot of us yes. in the industry did. What a gentleman he was. What a what a razor sharp memory until his very last days. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Paul Beaver is writing this. A noted historian, uh, journalist, uh, etc., military historian. Um, and he, he's had access to 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 a lot of uh, well, he's had access to to Winkle's, um, uh, you know, logbooks, uh, sort of kind of family documents and what have you. Uh, and uh, people are already really looking yeah. for this as as possibly the aviation book of the decade, you oh, know, yeah. Uh, yeah. because he, you know, greatest, you know, great, you know, Britain's greatest pilot, mm-hmm. within no doubt, probably maybe even arguably the world's greatest pilot. Just, for, just for carrier landings. Carrier landings alone, you know, yeah. And the, and the first that he did, you know, yeah. You know, first jet on an aircraft carrier, and, you know, just so many different, different um, must. And of course, Roland White's got a new book coming out as well, hasn't he? Yeah. We saw Roland down at the um, Orca Typhoon event, didn't we? Yeah. So uh, Roland White, obviously, uh, uh, listeners might might rec- well recognise the name uh, Vulcan Six Oh Seven, Harrier Eight Oh Nine. Uh, and a new book coming out next year on the Mosquito. Yeah, on, particularly on the Operation Carthage raids yeah. on Copenhagen. So that's that, right. That's yeah. going to be um, yeah. it, it's a typical Roland White style, as far as I can glean, and that's going to be really good. I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Right. So I think we're we're we're, we're just about to uh, wrap up with uh, this uh, this uh, month's pod. So where can people find us online? I am on Twitter at R-A-E-S Steve B, so Royal Aeronautical Society Steve B, and you'll find me on Facebook and on LinkedIn, Stephen with a P-H. Okay, and I'm uh, at R-A-E-S Tim R uh, on uh, Twitter, uh, still, on, still on Twitter there, and uh, you can find the, the uh, magazine www.aerosociety.com. And if you navigate to the inside blog, that's our, the sister blog of the, the magazine, uh, that comes out twice a week, Tuesdays and Fridays. Lots of extra uh, stuff goes in, in there that doesn't appear in the magazine. 
and uh, also videos of multimedia. We've got the Typhoon video which went up this morning so you can see us talking to um, Sam Worthington Lees um, who's one of the, the masterminds behind the project to put the Typhoon back in the air, Air Marshal Cliff Spink who's one of the, uh, the ambassadors and Bernard, we, we have to mention Bernard, yes. Bernard Gardner, 100 years old, flew yes. 71 missions in Hawker Typhoons Yes. Um, and I actually went back to Duxford the day after so this is four days before Bernard's 101st birthday, and he flew in a two-seat hurricane. Yeah. Uh, he flew hurricanes during the war. Uh, he tells a great story um, about a 200-foot hedge. I won't spoil it. Go and watch the video. He tells it in his own words. That was his most dangerous mission. That was his most dangerous <laughs> mission when he, he got assaulted by a 200-foot hedge. Um, but Bernard was, I wouldn't say reticent, but yeah, he's 100 years old, so he, he's a, he gets tired. and. He was unsure whether he wanted to get in that Hawker Hurricane, and he was helped in. As the aeroplane landed, he threw the straps off and he, he tried to get out as though he was 18 again. It was, yeah, I spoke to Mike Collett afterwards who flew the aeroplane, and he said every time he looked in the rearview mirror, Bernard was grinning from ear to ear. And Bernard, and Bernard even rolled the aeroplane himself. He did a victory roll at the age of 100, very nearly 101. Wow. And, I mean, that's, yeah, Hurricane Heritage gave a flight organized by the Hawker Typhoon Preservation Group what a great way to honor somebody and and their comrades for all the service they did yeah. 80 years ago so yeah great so there you go so it's it's official aeroplanes keep you young <laughs> yeah yeah right well until uh, see you next time cheers guys bye bye bye